We've brought back the reader mailbag. Today, we're answering your questions about marriage, money, and more. Welcome to Couple Money, a podcast focused on helping spouses get on the same page, dump their debt faster, and get on the path to financial freedom together. I'm your host, Elle Martinez. This podcast is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Learn how by visiting bankbetter.org. One of my favorite parts of Couple Money is the community. Having you be a part of this has definitely made the work more enjoyable. Whenever I hear from you about what you're working on, questions that you have, or ideas that you think will be helpful for the Cider podcast, I'm happy. When I started Couple Money 11 years ago, it was basically a journal of us and our journey with paying off debt. Then you came and others started sharing their stories, and it's really been a blast. So today's episode will be a bit of fun. I'm answering the most popular questions we received this year, along with covering a topic I haven't got into before. In this episode, we're going to be getting into how our spending has shifted this year with everything going on, a quick way to figure out how much you need to retire, how benefit plans work, And how much cushion should you have when you're figuring out your budget for the first time? Are you ready? Let's get started. How has your budget and spending shifted with everything going on this year? Ooh, okay. So this is a really good question. Like everyone else, a pandemic is not something we planned for specifically. I know when you put together an emergency fund or you're thinking about building that financial cushion, you're looking at scenarios that you're likely to encounter based on your circumstances. Global pandemic was definitely not on that. However, because through the years we've paid off all of our non-mortgage debts. We have that financial cushion in place. I'm happy and grateful to say that financially speaking, we've been minimally impacted. And that was years in the making going through that process, but it gave us a a bit of a cushion so we could focus on their day-to-day, which definitely shifted. So I was looking at our spending for the year 2020 and not counting those big projects before the pandemic. Remember, we bought a car in January. Now looking back, I kind of shake my head on that, but we had to replace Rob's car. And then in February, we had updated our kitchen, which is something I'm definitely grateful for because we've been using it quite a bit. But starting in March and going till now in November, Our numbers have been fairly steady, and a big part of this is because our finances is automated. Paying our essential bills, making sure that we have money going to savings, contributions for our retirement and other goals, those are bits and pieces that have been automated. Even though 2020 is kind of the case study for why it is a good thing to do, Just our normal day-to-day being working parents with two kids, it's a lot easier to stay on top of the money when most of it is automated. All we have to do is check in. And if things need to get adjusted because things come up during the month, you know, throughout the year, we can quickly and easily pivot. So in terms of actual spending, looking at this, giving has increased. 
like I mentioned, I'm grateful we're in a position that on a financial side, we're minimally impacted. But we know that's not the case with a lot of families right now. So we look for opportunities where we can increase our giving, whether that's locally with organizations like we have the food bank here of Central and Eastern North Carolina, or it through your congregation, it could be neighbors, people that you meet. Like we looked at different avenues and we thought if there are opportunities to give, we definitely want to increase that, which feels a little bit weird talking about it out loud on the podcast. But I think this is something that should be discussed in personal finance. How can we help out our neighbors? Another thing that increase, and it's kind of hilarious if you know us, is we're, quote, eating out, which in this case with the pandemic, we're eating in. But this is specifically because we want to support local businesses, especially those in the restaurant industry where a lot of sacrifices have been made, where they have to shut down for public safety. But how do they stay in business? They need support. So we have increased on that. But our spending's been fairly consistent because with groceries, we've been smarter, getting more creative with our meals. And I feel like that has evened out things. So we're still supporting local businesses without breaking our budget. Obvious decrease is gas and car maintenance. This is something you're not really using. But yeah, we've been fairly staying at home or doing day trips at parks. So we're pretty much local this year. Increased spending is basically like around the house, improving quality of life. We haven't taken on any big projects besides that kitchen, which again, that was a considerable expense. So we knew anyway, before the pandemic started, we weren't going to do any big expensive projects around the house. Basically, like if we spend extra money, it's finding activities that can improve quality of life. So for example, one recent purchase that we made was a game, was a ticket to ride. Board games, card games, strategy games, that's been one of our newer expenses in terms of we're buying more frequently because as a family, we're now at home. Let's keep ourselves entertained. Let's find ways to interact with each other. So that's how things have shifted with us. I'd love to hear from you and let me know, like, how has your spending shifted with everything going on here in 2020? How can we figure how much we need to retire? We've done a few episodes about finding out how much you need to retire because it's on the minds of so many couples. If you recently joined us, I recommend you tune into an episode in October about contributing to your 401k. One key discussion we had was figuring out how much to contribute. And in case you're not aware, I also have a second podcast called Simplify and Enjoy, where we specifically focus on families with kids and finding that balance between financial freedom and enjoying the now. I did two episodes back in July where we talk about that finding your financial independence number or FI number. It's the point where you could live off your investments and work would be optional. So please give a listen to those episodes if you want a nice deep dive. But right now, I just want to give you a back of the napkin way to figure out what your target number is. Typically, those retirement calculators online base your financial independence or retirement nest egg number on your income. They figure you need to replace a certain percentage. It could be 70 or 80% of your income to be able to comfortably retire. I think they get that wrong because it's really saying that lifestyle inflation is inevitable. And then two, this is really no reflection of your specific circumstances with your family. 
And I know we're doing a ballpark figure, but I think it should be more tailored to what you're actually doing. So for me and others in the financial independence space, a more helpful and relevant way to approach this is by looking at your spending. You could be living a pretty frugal life and enjoying it while making good income. If you want to maintain that lifestyle that you have now, how much money would you need to set aside? An easy way to ballpark it is to take that annual spending and multiply it by 25. So let's say that you're actually spending about 40,000 a year. We're going to keep this simple. That means that you're going to need to set aside $1 million. Listen, I get it. A million dollars is not a small amount, but if you try those calculators, you get some pretty crazy numbers. So what I did is I punched into one of them using our income, again, that's what they're looking at, to see what they would say would be the retirement number we needed to shoot for. Can you guess what they threw back at me? Just under three and a half million dollars. Now, since we've been tracking our spending for years, we know this number is ridiculous for our lifestyle. If you're not aware of your spending, you could use one of these calculators and one, get immediately discouraged to the point you don't even want to bother, or two, you could be burning yourself out trying to hit that number. So if you're looking at figuring out what is your target number to shoot for for retirement, whether it's for early retirement, financial independence, whatever, here are a few things to knock out. One, review your spending. You can use an app, spreadsheet, pen and paper. Kudos to you if you use pen and paper. But see, what's the pattern of your annual spending? Then you take the average amount of your annual spending and ask yourself, is this a comfortable level for us? And then take that number and multiply it by 25. And there's the number. That's your target ballpark figure number to shoot for. Yes, you could definitely do a deep dive and I encourage you to do so. But here's a quick way to give you an idea of what you need to shoot for when it comes to figuring out how much you need to retire. Can you explain defined benefit plans? I know it's impossible to cover every scenario question for every couple, but I do enjoy discovering new topics and learning things myself when it comes to that intersection of marriage and money. And sometimes that means I have to reach out to a financial expert to learn more about a topic. And this one definitely fits the bell. So I had the pleasure of speaking with Brent Henningsen, Chief Executive Officer of Saper Pension and Actuary Services about defined benefits plan and how they work and how if you're a business owner, they may be the right option for you. We do have in our community business owners and they are trying to be on top of their finances, but I feel like it happens a lot where you drop the ball, you're getting so involved in the business and they're leaving money on the table uh, when it comes to getting those like benefit plans and better tax solutions. So there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, how a defined benefit plan works versus maybe more familiar options like a 401k, 403b or a TSP. Do you mind kind of covering what's the biggest difference between those? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest difference between like a defined benefit plan and then the defined contribution plans you mentioned, like 401ks or 403bs, is really it's pretty fundamental. It's a fundamental difference with a with a defined contribution plan like a 401k. Um, the business owner puts money in every year, 
and they're limited to you know basically twenty thousand if they're under fifty and twenty six thousand if they're over fifty. And but how much that those contributions will grow to at retirement is is really unknown. Like the name suggests, it's defined by the contribution they put in, and then the asset returns will determine how much they have at retirement. So it's kind of an unknown. With a defined benefit plan, it works the exact opposite way where you define upfront what you want your retirement benefit to be, kind of like a target. And then you work backwards and you fund it each year based on the returns to date. And you kind of true it up each year to get to that target. And so it's kind of like, you know what the target is and it's adjusting each year to get there with a defined benefit plan. And I know there's like no one size fit all financial solution. So what are some conversations or questions couples um, should have and ask to determine if a defined benefit plan or, or pension, as some people call it, would work for them? And, you know, what are some scenarios where maybe it's not a good fit? Best way to determine is what they're trying to accomplish in, in terms of their annual limit. And so usually a defined contribution plan, it will work for most business owners because the contribution limit is high. For like, for example, for a 401k, Somebody could put in, um, you know, sixty-three thousand five hundred if they're over fifty, or fifty-seven thousand if they're under fifty. And so, for most people, that's going to be uh, that's going to be enough for what they want to achieve. But if they run into a situation where their four hundred one k is just it's limiting how much they can put in, they would like to put in more. That's when it makes sense to start exploring if a defined benefit plan could help them, because with a defined benefit plan. For someone in their 30s, they could put away 100,000 a year plus, um, you know, plus another like 20 or 25,000 in the 401k. Let's say a couple sits down and they say, you know what, we do appreciate this idea of having a pension plan. Could you give me an overview? Like, what are some of the main steps involved to sign up and, and get this started? So, yeah, the main the main steps are first, like you said, kind of exploring. Um, you know, whether it makes sense for them. And if, if they decide that they do want to put in more than what their current plan is allowing them to do, um, it, really it's defining that objective. That's kind of step one. And then that's where I have a lot of calls with people saying, here's my situation. I want to explore whether a defined benefit plan makes sense for me. Um, in fact, I just got off the phone with someone who was, I had that exact conversation with, you know, who's sole proprietor making $250,000 a year. He, um, he actually has, he's a full-time employee somewhere else. And so he has an income that, um, that he's living off of, but he wants to save most of that 250,000 or at least as mm. much as he can. Cause it's essentially a side business and he doesn't need that income and he would like to save, um, as much as he could. And so we explored that and it determined that in that situation, it, it made a lot of sense for him. And so from there, it's just designing the plan to achieve that objective and then funding the plan each year to sort of work towards that target I talked about. How does the contributions towards your pension plan help you tax-wise? It works. It works exactly like a 401k or um, a traditional IRA where, you know, you, you, it's kind of interesting, especially if they're a single, if they're a business owner and it's, it's they're the only employee. Mm-hmm. The way it works is they're kind of wearing two hats, the employer who's sponsoring the plan. And when they put that money in as the employer, that's a business deduction 
that reduces their, their taxable income um, from a business standpoint. And then as the employee, they're the beneficiary of those funds going into the retirement account, but they're not taxed on any growth until they actually, until they have a distribution. And then at that point, they're taxed as kind of ordinary income. So it works exactly like a traditional IRA. So Brent, I appreciate you taking the time. I know there's going to be listeners that are nodding their heads and they're thinking, you know what, I should at least explore and ask more questions, kind of dig in deeper about my personal circumstances. Is there a way for them to reach out to you and maybe um, have a consultation? Yeah, absolutely. So my website, saberpension.com, and that's spelled S-A-B as in boy, E-R, pension.com. And from there, they can you know, send an inquiry, they can call me, they can book a time on my calendar. So they can do all that on that website. How much of a financial cushion should we have? First off, I want to say that while we may be a little more conservative with that amount this year based on our own personal experience, there are certain principles that can help us figure out what to do and how much to save. Now, when I talk about financial cushion, I want to be really specific because I know this means different things to different people. I feel like a financial cushion is a broader term and connected, but not the same as an emergency fund. For me, I define an emergency fund as the essential expenses you need to keep doing your day-to-day. So say if you lose your job, what is that amount you need to keep the lights on, to keep your house, to have food and clothes on your back? So I think that is a foundation that every couple, every family needs to have, which is that emergency fund that will cover you when things go wrong. Your car breaks down, your kid gets sick, or you have several things happen at once. And then with your financial cushion, I would love for the two of you to kind of sit down, look at your current circumstances and think of what scenarios could likely come up. You may have found that while you kept your job during this pandemic, the hours were cut, things were shifted. It doesn't feel as stable as you had hoped or had thought of before. So you want to include that in your financial cushion. Should something come up, put some money aside now. And then also realize, and I feel like this year has definitely been a reminder, you can't anticipate everything. I know some families have reached out to me because they want to have a financial cushion that's big enough to cover every scenario, and that's not going to happen. We can't anticipate everything, but if we have some solid ground, if we have the emergency fund, and then again, looking at our circumstances, what are things that are likely going to happen, we'll be in a better position to ride things out. It does give you enough breathing room that you can focus on the more important things. So for us, knowing that we had this financial cushion in place, we could focus our attention more with the girls and with school now being remote, making sure that they're in a good spot. And of course, as parents, we're going to do that regardless, but at least it's one less weight on our backs, on our shoulders when we're trying to process everything. I think at the minimum for emergency funds, especially now, at least have six months of expenses set aside. Make that a goal. And then looking at your particular circumstances and what's coming up, put a little bit extra in that financial cushion. And that can be something that you put aside an extra 50, 100, 200, whatever that is, um, until you get to a number that you're both comfortable with. 
This segment is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. If you want to live better, you got to bank better. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Before we wrap up, I usually share a few key takeaways I got from preparing the episode, but today I want to highlight some ways that you and I can connect. Marriage and money can sometimes be tricky and you might have a question. So what's the best way for you to reach me? There are three main ways you can reach out to me depending on your question and the time frame. So the first one I want to mention is joining the community and signing up for the newsletter. And there's a few reasons why I think this is a great move. First off, you'll be getting the latest episodes, articles, any videos, including helpful resources sent straight to you each week. It's the easiest way to stay up to date with what's going on. Second, if you want to send in a question or an idea for an episode on the podcast, this is the best way. I personally read the emails. I don't outsource that. And I try to respond that same day or the next, depending on what time you email me. Quite a few of you have taken me up on this, and I want to say thank you for taking the time to email me. I enjoy hearing what projects and goals you're taking up, and if I can answer your question or point you to an expert or resource to get you there faster, I'm thrilled. So please, it's free. All you have to do is sign up at couplemoney.com slash join. The second way is social media. If this is more your speed, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at Couple Money. I try to keep it simple so you can find me quickly and easily. And I check in as I can based on how the day's going. Working from home with two kids in school can be challenging some days, but I love to keep tabs with everybody and see what's going on. And I might be dating myself, but I'm on Twitter the most, and I like to hang out on Instagram when I get a chance. If you ever want to say hi or just chat, feel free to. And then finally, like I usually mention during these key segments, I'd love to have you join us on our Thriving Families Facebook group. What you may not know is that it's run by actually quite a few of us. Andrew, Kat, Andy, and I, we've jointly managed this group. We're parents, and just like you, we're trying to balance everything. And all of us wanted a space where families could come together and work on their financial and family goals. But between kids and our work, it can be hard to manage it all. So we decided to team up with Thriving Families. I actually think that it's a better group for it. We each bring our own perspectives and experiences, and we love to help each other out. So if you want to join us, we'd be thrilled to have you. Just head over to couplemoney.com FB. Again, I say it every episode, but I truly mean it. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. I want to help you out the best way I can. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know we covered a lot. So if you're looking for resources that we mentioned or more direction and deeper dives on the topics we went into, it'll all be in the show notes at Couple Money. And as we're winding down, we're going to be ending the podcast by looking forward. So next week, we're going to be talking about part one is having a more holistic view of money and how it fits in with our lives. And I'm so happy Jason Vitug is going to be joining us for that episode. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. You don't want to miss out on that. We're on iTunes, Spotify, 
or wherever you get your podcasts from. Our theme song is from Gentle Regime, additional music by Lee Rosevere and artists from Audio. And I can't say it enough, but thank you so much for your support. I truly appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care. <laughs>